Hello and welcome to the Wellness Trinity Podcast, where we interview top holistic experts and bring you natural solutions for modern day wellness. Let's get started with your host, Dr. Jacqueline. Hi, welcome. Thank you for joining the Wellness Trinity Podcast. I'm Dr. Jacqueline from thewellnesstrinity.com, where we provide natural solutions for modern day wellness. Today, we're going just to, to discuss on our Women's Health Podcast series, Why Chinese Medicine Treats You Like the Goddess That You Are with Dr. Ellie Cole. Just a little disclaimer before we get started, this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. What you do with the information is to be used at your discretion as the recommendations are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode was brought to you by Cellcore Biosciences. Creating solutions that work is what they do, and restoring hope and health is who they are. Are you having a hard time conceiving? Are you concerned about raising healthy children? Would you like to age gracefully? These are all concerns that many women have. And in order to have healthy pregnancies in children and age gracefully with youthful skin, vibrant wellness, and incredible joints, we need to thoroughly cleanse the body in this day and age because there are more than 85,000 chemicals that are just plaguing the earth. And these chemicals cause a whole slew of problems. And a lot of it is related to the backup in the liver that causes diminished hormone production. Cellcore Biosciences protocol systematically removes layers of infections and toxins, thus fully cleansing the body. It gets you back to homeostasis where your body is happiest and healthiest when done correctly. I am happy to be on this protocol and I'm actually waiting to get pregnant because I want myself and my husband to be thoroughly cleansed before I even think of having a baby. And I don't fear growing old and falling apart because I know that if my body is at homeostasis, it's going to be just fine. I was told I look 10 years younger in my new headshot, so this stuff works. To order your full body detoxification protocol, register with the patient direct code T46RKNQ0 on cellcore.com. So I actually met Dr. Ellie on Instagram. And uh, the first thing that we started chatting about was her beautiful garden and how she loves to go back there. And that's where she finds her peace. And then I realized that she would be a great guest on the show. I was having a woman's health series and she posted something about migraines and women have those during their, peri their period sometimes. So um, I thought that would be a great topic to discuss and dissect. And then also acupuncture. As you guys have known that if you've been following this podcast, I haven't really talked about acupuncture and it's definitely not my expertise at all. So I'm excited to have Dr. Ellie on the show and she's going to be able to dissect that as well. So Dr. Ellie is a doctor of acupuncture and oriental medicine. And one of her earliest childhood memories is of her mom holding her when she felt sad. She let her cry until she had no more tears left. Then she asked her, why she was crying and she said in her little five-year-old voice because there are sad people and animals in this world she always had empathy and compassion for those who are suffering so it was no surprise that she ended up in a healing arts profession she became a chinese medicine doctor to answer that call to alleviate suffering in those around her she traveled the globe for her undergraduate education and got her bachelor degree and a full very a very full passport so i'm going to let her expand on her story because she literally traveled around the world 
to study for her education. So Dr. Ellie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dr. Jacqueline. It's nice to be here. So why don't you first tell us, uh, where did you go when you were studying? I'm curious. Yeah, so, well, I spent my first year of what I like to call normal university <laughs> at the University <laughs> of Puget Sound up in Tacoma, Washington. And while I was there, I just realized that I actually wanted something different from my college experience, uh, for my college experience. So um, I basically dreamt up this idea and it turned out it actually existed. Uh, so at the time, the program was called Friends World College. Uh, they, they now, they're now called Global College and they're through Long Island University. So my undergraduate degree is from Long Island University, but I've literally never stepped foot on that campus. <laughs> so, uh, my, my, so my first year in the program, which would have been my second year of college, um, I studied in Costa Rica and Panama. And then my next year, I was in India, Nepal, and Tibet. And then my final year, I was in Ghana in West Africa. Wow. And this is when you were studying Chinese medicine? No, so I don't even think I knew what Chinese medicine was at that point. Oh. <laughs> uh, actually, I did. Uh, I had taken my mom to an acupuncture treatment when I was a teenager, and she had acute back pain. Um, I, I literally, I mean, luckily my mom is a very petite lady, um, but I literally, as a 16-year-old, I'd just gotten my license, I drove her to the acupuncturist, carried her in like a baby because she could not walk. She had this in incredible acute back pain and she got one treatment and she like literally walked out and drove us home. <laughs> wow. So I didn't know what acupuncture was, but I didn't really know anything about it. Um, so no, this was my undergraduate. So it was between the ages of 18 and 22. Um, when I graduated from college, then um, I actually went to massage school for a year and that was a little bit just to kind of figure out what I wanted to do when I grew up. <laughs> <laughs> we all go through that process, right? <laughs> um, I, I, I found it just really fascinating and fun. And that's where I, I really fell in love with learning about how the body works. And um, so without even meaning to, I all of a sudden had a thriving massage practice out of my one bedroom apartment <laughs> in San Diego. Wow. And um I wanted to take more of the Asian style massage classes. Um, so like Chinese massage is called Tuina, uh, Japanese style is called Shiatsu, um, you know, then there's Thai massage, right? And so I was really interested in those um, Asian style massages. And so someone advised me, oh, you should go to the acupuncture school to learn more about those Asian massage mm -hmm. techniques. And so I signed up for that program. And what I realized was that I was actually in the same beginning like 101 classes with the acupuncture students wow. and it, it didn't take me very long to figure out no you know what that's what I'd rather be doing so I just transferred into the acupuncture program now why did you decide acupuncture was more of your path I think it just it felt like deeper and more interesting than massage and I love massage it's it's a wonderful modality but it just felt like it felt a little more intellectual. <laughs> um, there was a lot more to like figuring out not just acupuncture, but Chinese herbs, which is part mm -hmm. of an acupuncture program typically, not all schools. Um, and just being able to like diagnose from a Chinese medicine framework was way more interesting than just, mm -hmm. um, oh, you know, your low back hurts. So I'm going to do massage on it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. More internal medicine um, opportunity to work with internal medicine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, a kind of my own journey like that too, but I started in personal training and then I went into this holistic doctor route too. 
um, it's just you learn and you grow and then um, then you learn that there's so much more to learn <laughs> it's just never ending <laughs> so I, I, I understand yeah so okay so you're an acupuncturist and a Chinese herbalist and a doctor of Chinese medicine what's the difference between all those things yeah so um so entry-level acupuncture is getting a master's degree in acupuncture. So it, it probably, you know, it's a four-year master's degree, which, you know, there aren't many master's programs that are four years long. That's a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that four years, um, most schools will have a curriculum of, um, you know, acupuncture and, um, and Chinese herbs, uh, which it will include a, a Chinese um, view of pathology and physiology. But we also have this Western track where we're learning Western physiology, pathology, anatomy, all of those. Mm. Um, and then, so when you graduate from that four-year program, um, it depends on the state. Different states have different names for it, but technically you're a licensed acupuncturist. Um, like Washington State, for example, calls a licensed acupuncturist um, an East Asian medicine practitioner, EAP or EAMP. Um, so there's different names depending on the state, but, um, you don't have to do herbs, but you can get nationally board certified in herbs, which I am. Um, uh, but that, that's a, that's an option. After my four years of, uh, master's training, I then, uh, went into practice for seven years and decided I wanted to just go a little deeper because I am a lifelong learner and perhaps some might say I'm addicted to school. (laughs) (laughs) So I went back to school to get my doctorate degree, which in my case was a two-year program. Uh, I could still practice at the same time, so it was a part-time program. Um, There are different programs throughout the country. Some are just online, which probably all of them will be now because of the pandemic, but um, some are maybe six months. (laughs) Mine was probably the longest one you can find out there. It was a really intensive two-year program. Mm. So that's where you become a doctor of acupuncture in oriental medicine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And did you have to do those other steps first to go through that program? Yes. You have to have a master's in acupuncture. Before okay. Acupuncture. Okay. Well, that's amazing. So um, for those of you that are listening, she obviously, she knows her stuff. She's obviously been d- digging through this and then you've been practicing for how long now? Uh, I've been practicing since 2008. So 12 years. Okay. Okay. All right. So what do you love about being a Chinese medicine practitioner? You know, I just love that my patients love to come see me, <laughs> right? It's like, <laughs> if you're a dentist or maybe an MD, like your patients don't necessarily love to see you. In fact, I think dentists have like the highest rate of suicide Aww. in like any profession. I don't know if I have that exactly right. I don't know if it's any profession or the medical profession, but, but if you think about it, like nobody wants to go to the dentist. Right? It's like, can you imagine spending all day with people who dread seeing you? Right? So I often, used to work for a dentist. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe you know. <laughs> well, you know what? She actually, she called it a dental spa. So she would do aromatherapy. At a, so it was actually quite the experience um, compared to going to another type of dentist. We, okay. we they had music you could listen to. So yeah, uh, you got your own chapstick that smelled <laughs> good. And <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. So, she <laughs> right. Yeah. It, she thought about these. Things. Oh, I had a massage chair. I, I mean, it's just, she thought about this. So I, I think that um, I probably would have seen that otherwise. Yeah. Well, so I feel really lucky that people love to come see me mm. because acupuncture is so relaxing. Mm. Right? So for people who have never received it, that may sound really counterintuitive that 
you get stuck with needles and then you feel super relaxed, but it is actually true. Um, probably 80% of my patients fall asleep uh, during their treatments while they're laying on the table. Mm -hmm. um, and so the other thing I love about it is that people can walk in my front door in pain mm -hmm. or in high anxiety or in dark depression. And more often than not, they walk out feeling significantly better. Wow. I mean, there's nothing better than that for me as a practitioner to be able to see that change within an hour, right? Wow. Now, it's not that all their problems are solved forever within an hour, but like one treatment has an incredible effect on the nervous system. Um, from a pain standpoint, I, I specialize in pain, um, but also from just a mental emotional standpoint. I mean, people walk in anxious, they walk out calm. So That's it's incredible. really rewarding. Yeah. Wow. So how does acupuncture work then? So acupuncture is a science and an art. That's what's really beautiful about it. I love that it combines both. So the, my, my preferred definition of how acupuncture works is that it increases blood flow, right? Okay, so that's like the really simple easy takeaway. Um, if, if, so if you're listening out there, if someone says, oh, how does acupuncture work? It increases blood flow. That's the super simple answer. What it does is um, when we insert a needle into the body, it has multiple physiological effects on the body. So it doesn't just do one thing. It does many things. It affects the nervous system. It affects the digestive system. It affects your liver. It affects your skin, it affects your respiration, your heartbeat. It affects every system in the body. And so that's why we like to say it doesn't just do one thing, it has multiple physiological effects. So uh, what, what the needle inserting into the body does is it increases oxygen-rich, nutrient-rich blood to mm. the area of the body that needs it. So oxygen, uh, oxygen rich and nutrient rich blood is what gives all of our organs function, right? So if our organ is not functioning, functioning well, it's probably some lack of blood flow in some way. So acupuncture restores proper blood flow to all the organs, the muscles and the joints, the tendons, ligaments, right? Skin, all of it. Okay. Okay. So do you know acupuncturists that just do acupuncture and not herbs? I mean, it seems intuitive that it goes hand in hand. Um, but what have you seen with practitioners that use either one or the other? It, it is, I don't know the, the percentage on how many do each one, but it's very common for um, acupuncturists to just do acupuncture. Mm -hmm. And they get great results doing that. Um, I just love using both because uh, you know, we, we talk about Chinese medicine as being a tree with five branches, okay? So acupuncture is just one of those branches. Chinese herbs is the second branch. Massage is the third branch. Nutrition is the fourth. And then meditation or exercise is the fifth. Mm -hmm. So if we're really practicing the entirety of the medicine, we're doing all of those things, not just mm -hmm. one branch. But like I said, one branch individually has a very powerful effect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, then I, I would assume too that a lot of those people that do acupuncture would still be aware that those other parts are important, even if they don't specialize in it as well. Um, but yeah, that's one thing I like to mention to the, the audience too is, you know, we always want to look at the whole picture. Otherwise, we're going to have not the whole result. Uh, from what I've seen, at least, would you agree? Absolutely agree. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 
So what makes Chinese medicine unique from biomedicine or Western medicine? Yeah, so so what I like to call the gem of Chinese medicine, and by the way, I'll just interrupt myself here by saying, you know, I'm used to saying Chinese medicine because I went to a school call, um, that typically called it that. We also, it's interchangeable term with oriental medicine, which that word is somewhat problematic. And in these times of, um, you know, changing names of things, um, we, there, there's, a, there's talk right now in my profession that we may be changing, changing the name. So I went to a school called the Oregon College of Oriental Medicine, and my degree is a doctor of acupuncture and oriental medicine. So um, that, those names may be changing soon. Um, but I often say Chinese medicine, but I could just as easily say Asian medicine or East Asian medicine is probably the most accurate um, way to say it. But I'm just in the habit of saying Chinese medicine. So. Okay, so it's more than just Chinese. It's just, it's Asian in general. It is because, um, you know, mostly it started and grew from China. Um, although that could be debatable. But, um, but Japanese um, or Japan has their own style of acupuncture. Korea has their own style of acupuncture. Vietnam has their own style. Right. It's just, it's spread all over Asia. So it's, it doesn't belong to China only. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. Country. So, um, yeah. And, and, you know, as, as anything, it has its own um, evolution, right. As time goes on. So, um, anyway, um, going back to what makes Chinese medicine or, or East Asian medicine different than Western medicine, the gem I think of our medicine is that we treat each person individually. So this is what I mean when I say, you know, let, um, let Chinese medicine treat you like the goddess that you are, right? <laughs> Women's health. Um, so each, um, so maybe this is a good time to just actually jump into menstrual migraines. So for example, I could have three different patients come in today to my clinic, all of them with menstrual migraines. Most likely, I'm going to treat each one of them differently, depending on their presentation. So typically, if these three women went to a Western medicine doctor, they would probably get the same medication for their menstrual migraines, most mm. likely. Um, in my clinic and in, in, in any acupuncturist clinic, we're going to first find out what kind of menstrual migraine do you have, because there's a half a dozen or so types, right? Mm -hmm. so, we always, we start with, okay, is this person's condition what we call an excess condition or a deficient condition? So essentially, do you have too much of something going on or do you have not enough of something going on in your body? Mm -hmm. okay. So if you have too much of something going on, that could be something like your blood is not flowing very well and it's become stagnant. Okay. So we would call that blood stagnation or blood stasis. So that causes a very specific kind of migraine, right? Versus the person who walks into my clinic today who has a deficient type of migraine, okay? So let me, I'm gonna break down, I'm just gonna give you three examples of uh, these menstrual headaches that, uh, and you'll be able to see how differently each person pr um, presents and why I would treat them differently, okay? So person number one, they are coming in where their migraine is severe and it is throbbing, okay? And they, it's usually like um, behind their eyes, it's right on the top of their head, it might be on the sides of their heads. With further questioning, I find out they also feel kind of dizzy. They're thirsty, 
they're hot. They're like sweaty and hot, right? Um, their menstrual flow is really heavy. Um, maybe they have a bitter taste in their mouth. Uh, I always ask about, you know, bowel movements and urination. Their bowel movements are dry and maybe even le uh, leading toward constipation. Their urine is very dark yellow and it has a strong smell to it. And they're irritable. Okay, so sometimes I can tell right away the moment someone walks in that door. Sometimes they're like, oh, I couldn't find any parking. And you know, they're driving, I'm really mad about that. Immediately my, diagnos my differential diagnosis starts at the front door, mm -hmm. right? Face <laughs> <laughs> is red, okay? All of this is information that as Chinese medicine doctors, we are gathering all of that information. It all means something, okay? So you can see that that's a very specific picture, right? So that person has a lot of heat. Um, and so obviously I'm going to be clearing heat in that person. Mm -hmm. That's an ex excess condition. Let's give another example of an excess condition, but actually looks kind of different. The second person walks into my clinic, their headache, it's not severe and throbbing, it's stabbing like a knife, okay? It's temples, eyes, inside of the head. So that's similar to the, to the first person, same location, right? But a different um, pain description. This, uh, this person has the headache, it comes before their period. Whereas I didn't mention this, but the first person I talked about, um, it's coming before or during, okay? Mm. Um, now back to person number two, their menstrual blood is really dark. It can be like dark, dark purple, almost black, okay? And they have a lot of clots in their menstrual flow. Mm. Their period is painful. They have cramps, they're doubled over, they, have, they need a heating pad on their belly. They usually have abdominal pain. Um, this is also an excess condition, but do you see how different it is? Mm -hmm. Right, okay. Um, now let's talk about person number three, who is actually a deficient type of condition. Okay, so this looks really different. This person, their blood is like deficient of nutrients okay mm. in western medicine we might call it something like anemia but it's not it's not a direct correlation it doesn't it doesn't mean that they're, they're always anemic but it may ha it, it presents very similarly so this person their headache is very dull okay it's not stabbing like the second person is not severe and throbbing like the first it's just this kind of dull ache okay um they report feeling dizzy, um, they have heart palpitations, mm. sleep, they're exhausted, maybe they're really pale in their face as opposed to person number one is really red and sweaty, right? This person is pale um, and uh, yeah, they're just tired. Usually their voice, they're just kind of like, they can't, they don't have much of a voice. Mm. They're just weak. Right. So three very different presentations you follow, right? Yeah. Very different. But they all have the same chief complaint, menstrual migraines. Okay. So a Western medicine doctor might treat them all exactly the same. But I'm gonna look at them and go, oh wow, okay. Person number one, too much heat. We gotta clear that heat with acupuncture points that are known to clear heat and inflammation from the body. Mm. The second person they're just, their blood is stagnant, right? And so we're gonna, I'm gonna choose acupuncture points that move the blood. I'm gonna choose an herbal formula that moves the blood. Same thing with person number one, I would choose herbs that clear heat, right? 
Um, and then this third person that looks really different because they have a deficient con condition, that person, I have to build them up, right? Give them these very nutrient rich herbs, um, do acupuncture points that are, um, that are not going to drain them and exhaust them further. If they're going to have a really short treatment, their needles might be in for 10 minutes, whereas the first two people may need a 45 minute treatment, right? Very different because yeah. you don't want to deplete someone who's already depleted. Does that make sense? Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now the other thing is that we look at we look at the tongue, the surface of the tongue, and we also feel the pulse on both sides of the wrist. And these are two diagnostic tools that we have in Chinese medicine. I didn't mention this with each person, but person number one who's really hot, their tongue is going to be red, and they're likely going to have a yellow coating on their tongue. Their pulse is going to be fast, and it'll be probably what we call wiry. It's almost like putting your fingers on a guitar string. Mm. Person number two, who is, has this sort of blood stagnation going on, um, their tongue is going to be purple, right? Mm -hmm. Just like, you know, you look at your grandmother's ankles, they're kind of purple, right? Because huh. as we get older, like our, our blood stagnates. That's just what happens, right? And so we, everything gets purple. So their tongue is purple. Um, their pulse will be likely deep and kind of hard to feel. It's almost, instead of putting your fingers on a guitar string like the first person, it's more like putting your fingers on a bowl of jello. Like mm. how that would feel. You know, there's no defined edges, right? Um, and then the third person who's really deficient, um, their tongue would be um, really pale, like a very, very pale color. Um, the, the actual tongue body would be very thin. Um, and is probably a dry tongue because the blood isn't nourishing things. So things get dried out. Their pulse um, is probably going to be very thin, very weak. It's like you, you just can't quite feel it. It's really hard to palpate, right? Mm. So what we're taking into account is their whole body, right? Mm -hmm. Not just what's going on in the head for a headache. It's mm -hmm. everything that's going on in all the organ systems. We're also asking questions about what kind of like how much physical work do they do? Um, you know, have they depleted themselves through too much physical labor? Mm. What's their emotional stress level like? What's their diet like? Even what's their sexual activity like? Too much, too little, right? That can change our, um, our health, our status of our health. Mm. Yeah. Well, what's healthy in that area then? Like what's too much and what's too little? <laughs> huh? It depends on the person. Oh, okay. You know, I had a feeling you were going to say that. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, everyone's different, so people can handle different loads of whatever it is, I guess, even in that area. Yes. Uh, you know, people always ask me, like, oh, what do you do for someone who has, you know, X symptom? The answer will always be, it depends. Right, right. <laughs> this is not one size fits all. If it was one size fits all, I could answer that question really easily. Yeah. Okay, so I'm thinking if someone comes to you, um, well, you, you, okay, let's just say this. You bring up an interesting point with too much or too little sexual activity. And I think people would be interested to know more about this. So this is why I want to expand a little bit. So someone comes to you and they're the person three and they're deficient and um, they, they're saying that I've, they've had a lot of sexual activity. That's, I'm thinking you're probably going to say that's probably too much mm -hmm. since they're deficient. Yeah, and likely they are probably not currently having much sexual activity because they don't have the energy for it. 
Uh, <laughs> right? That might have gotten them, partly gotten them into this, uh, what we call a pattern of imbalance. What I just described to you are three different patterns mm -hmm. of imbalance, okay? And so um, it could have been that this person who has this deficient blood um, worked too hard, had too much sexual activity in their life, had long periods of stress or, or even just students, you know, who are just like studying all the time and staying mm -hmm. up late and not taking care of themselves. This is a common, a common pattern for students. Um, I had it. <laughs> right. How do you not have that if you go to school? <laughs> yeah. um, whereas the person who, the, the first person I described who has too much heat, they, my prescription for them might include more sexual activity. Oh, interesting. <laughs> medicine. Yeah. Yeah, now let me tell you that when I'm seeing men um, and they have this kind of condition where they, they would actually benefit from more sexual activity, they love it when I tell them that. <laughs> <laughs> or when I see you know, a woman and I say, oh, you actually need more sexual activity that would actually be helpful for you. And they go home and tell their husbands, oh my God, the husbands love me forever. <laughs> <laughs> I can oh, imagine. I'm going to see Dr. Ellie again. <laughs> <laughs> It's where it keeps me in business, just telling women to have more sex. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's a really interesting point, though. I mean, uh, we're that's just part of our, our human nature. So I we need to be in tune in that area, too. And I think that there's many things that can disrupt uh, that being enough or too much. So I, I used to work in the Las Vegas nightlife, and it was just... It was, yeah, I'm not even going to go there, but it was just too much. <laughs> There's probably too much heat over there or something, or maybe the opposite, but I don't know. But that that's, uh, I could see where people can get imbalanced sexually as well, because it's just, that's all that's promoted in that type of environment. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, and actually, you bring up a point that I would like to mention is that, yeah, people living in Las Vegas, it's possible that they are more likely to have heat conditions because they live in an environment that's so hot and dry. Mm. However, most people living in Las Vegas are not spending all their time outdoors. They're spending it indoors mm. in air conditioning. Mm -hmm. And so I would be willing, I know I've never practiced in Las Vegas, but I'd be willing to bet that a lot of them have cold conditions because ah. they're in air conditioning day and night. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so, and that's just a, like a, it's an environment. It, it's an environment, right? It's an indoor environment, but we are, and this is something, this is a real tenet of Chinese medicine is that we are affected by our external environment, but also our internal environment that mimics an external environment, right? Like, yeah. Well, and that's a good point too. I'm listening to this book. It talks about the cells, um, our body cells and how our environment affects our cells, which I mean, and when you're in natural medicine, we just intuitively know that we learn that, but that's not something that's talked about in, in Western medicine. We think it's more so our genes affect our health versus what's going on all around us and in us. So, um, I'm just curious since you are in the Pacific Northwest over here, um, like, what do you see often? Dampness, dampness, dampness. I <laughs> see. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we, we talk a lot in Chinese medicine about um, balancing two opposites, right? So balancing dryness with dampness, right? So not enough moisture with too much moisture. Um, we live in an environment here that is just very damp. And so we absorb that in our body. Mm -hmm. uh, we also talk about a balance between hot and cold. Um, and we also even um, think about directional opposites. So is there too much heat above? 
too much cold below, right? So someone might have really swollen ankles, which is sort of a dampness sign. Dwelling is like dampness, too much fluid accumulating, but they might have a really red face. So there's like too much heat up here, too much damp and possibly cold down below. So we're always trying to balance the opposites. Hmm. Okay. So what type of migraine headache is the, does that look like? Is that one, two, three? Right, right. So actually that's one I didn't even mention. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so that would be a, a headache that's caused more from like, yeah, what we call damp phlegm. Um, so, so that would be, again, a, a little more of a dull ache. Um, the, the primary symptom there would be more like dizziness. Because when we have a lot of dampness or phlegm in our head or even our sinus uh, sinuses, uh, we tend to get dizziness vertigo. Um, so that's that can often be a damp sign. Um, okay. They'd also those people probably would be congested with phlegm. They're blowing their nose or they got you know post nasal drip. Um, that's like the Pacific Northwest Pacific Northwest nasal drip is like so common, right? Um, so a lot of times when when my patients come in and they're going. <clears throat> <clears throat> you know, all the way through the interview, mm -hmm. it's like, I go, okay, this person probably has some damp phlegm going on and it's manifesting in their throat. Um, so yeah, there, there would be a lot of signs. Um, so again, you know, if we looked at the, um, what their bowel movements might be like, probably be a loose stool, um, or diarrhea. Um, their urine would be probably very profuse, right? So they're, they're actually peeing a lot, um, because they just have so much water accumulation, which is what oh. we call this. Um, their tongue would be really swollen um, and probably have a coating on it. Um, so, but then, so it gets, it's like we get these layers and layers of um, this pattern differentiation, right? So at the simplest level, they might have dampness, but then you kind of don't just have dampness. Then it's layered on with maybe heat or maybe cold, so that that looks also different. So instead of just a swollen tongue, they might have like, their tongue might be red, because that's a heat sign, right? Mm. Um, so all of these things can combine. It's not, it's not as simple as just like, oh, you have one, pattern X, pattern Y, <laughs> pattern Z, no. It's like, you've got pattern X, Y, and a little bit of Z. <laughs> <laughs> right? And so it's my job to have to like wade through all of that and go, okay, what's primary? Or what caused X? Or, you know, what came first, X, Y, or Z, <laughs> basically. And, and then, and then we, uh -huh. we, we strip off the layers from there. That's why sometimes uh -huh. it can be really complicated. To, to get somebody better. So where do you start then when you find all these different symptoms? I usually start with the symptom that's bugging them the most mm. and what, what pattern that is associated with. Because here's the other, here's another layer, right? Is that I am practicing a medicine that most Americans think are, is kind of weird, <laughs> right? And so- Not in Oregon. <laughs> Maybe not in Portland so much, <laughs> but even still, I actually practice in a part of Portland that is not a keep Portland weird kind of place. It's it's a little more, it's a little more the red state of Oregon than the blue state of Portland, um, and so you know it's it's not common. And so mm. I have a very short time to win someone over, mm. right? If they don't feel better right away, they're gone. I lost them, right? Mm. Because they're only gonna give me 
one or two chances to make them feel better. Now, if somebody already is like a total believer in acupuncture, they're like, oh, you know, I, I didn't get better in the first three treatments. Well, but I believe in it. So I'm going to keep going. You know, that's a lot easier. But mm -hmm. when someone who's new, they've maybe told me right up front, I don't believe in this garbage. My wife made me come. <laughs> I get that a lot. Right. And so it's like the pressure is on. I have got to perform. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That is why I choose the symptom that is bugging them the most to go after first. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, um, when I uh, when people come to me and I'm they're willing to take any step, I'm I'm happy because I I find the same thing too. I mean, there's going to be some that are just oh my god, I'm just ready to do everything. Just sign me up for the whole program. Um, <laughs> and then there's there's some people that are like that too. They're just kind of eyeballing and they're curious and they they might have heard some good things, but they have no idea what they're in for. <laughs> all the worms and parasites and stuff we're going to start talking about. And, um, and yeah, and I, and, and then we're also a, a mind, a body, a spirit. I, I'm sure um, Chinese medicine looks at the whole picture as well too. Mm -hmm. And so I, some people ask me the same question, like, where do you, where would you start? And I have a certain idea of what, where I'll start, but I'm just thinking if someone is willing to go, you know, work on their spiritual side, that's probably going to open up to a physical solution in the end when they can kind of clear some of that junk. And then if they are open to some taking a supplement, you know, then that can open them up to eating healthy. And so it's, I, I can see why you would approach it that way, because if they're starting to feel better at all, um, first of all, it's clearing some of that stress where they can think clearer. And then, and then also then they start to realize, well, maybe this lady does have some answers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, you know, that reminds me of something I'd like to say too, is that, um, um, uh, wait, okay. I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> Uh, okay, never mind. Move on. I'll think of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So we were just talking about, you know, the whole looking at the whole picture, you know, our mind, our body, our spirit. Yes, mind, body, spirit. That's where I wanted to go. So, so Chinese medicine doesn't differentiate between the physiology, right? So how our organs function between the physiology and our emotional mental state. It is the same thing. And so if somebody came in here with um, what, what I, you know, they wouldn't come in saying this, but I would, I would differentiate that, oh, okay, this is, they have, um, the blood isn't moving through their liver very effectively. And so um, what that does is it makes someone's really frustrated and irritable. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they, they would probably come in saying, I'm irritable. Can you, you know, can you help me? And then I would determine, oh, okay, this person's like, has this like, you know, blood stagnation in their liver. Okay. That's just a Chinese medicine way of thinking. Um, I, uh, or if I have someone that came in and said, Hey, I, uh, I went to my doctor, um, you know, and I'm, I'm just throwing this out as a, as a, an example, there isn't necessarily direct relationship here, but just as an example, um, I, I went to my doctor, they told me that my liver enzymes are high. I'm concerned about my, my liver functioning. Okay. So the, I can either start at the emotions where this person's coming in for irritability and frustration. I start at the emotions and it affects the liver, or I can come over here and go, oh, this person's coming in for their liver function. I can start at the physiology or the pathology and get to the emotions. Either way, mm -hmm. they're going to feel better. Mm -hmm. They're going to be less irritable, less frustrated. It doesn't matter where I start because they're, they're, we don't separate them, mm -hmm. right? The liver oh, function so and beautiful. the liver emotion are one. Right, right. Actually, you know, I, I told you in the beginning, I was like, I don't know too much about acupuncture at all, but I, I did remember studying the organs and the different emotions. 
and always thought that was so fascinating. Do you want to expand on that a little bit more? I know we mentioned the liver has to do with frustration. Uh, anger is another one that uh, I would always talk about with liver, but what about some of the other organs and their emotions? Yeah, so we um, we usually, we typically divide the organs into um, the five hollow organs and the five dense organs, okay? So a hollow organ, example of a hollow organ would be like the large intestine or the small intestine, right? They're just tubes, so they're hollow, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas the dense organs, um, that would be like, you know, the, the liver, super dense, right? It's just like very thick with blood vessels and tissue. Um, and the spleen and um, heart and lungs um, and, and the kidneys. So, so we ascribe the emotions to those five dense emotions. So, so, the, um, so kidney, the emotion associated with it is fear. Um, liver, like we just said, you know, sort of anger, irritability. Um, the spleen, which um, it's worth pointing out, you know, most, most Westerners are like, the spleen? What the heck is the spleen? You know? <laughs> yeah. And even in Western medicine, it's like, ah, eh, you don't need it. We can cut it out. Um, <laughs> um, uh, Chinese scholars, Chinese language scholars think that that was actually a mistranslation, that it's probably the pancreas, mm -hmm. um, not the spleen. But, but we all learn to call it the spleen in Chinese medica medical school. So, um, but it's technically, I think, the pancreas. Um, and then, so the spleen is worry, worry and anxiety. Uh, the lungs are grief and sadness. Mm. Um, and then the heart is unique. Uh, we call it the emperor of the body. Um, the heart actually has two different emotions. It's joy and sadness. So we could say that lungs is really just grief and then the heart is uh, joy and sadness. Um, funny enough, uh, the ancient Chinese talked about joy um, as being possibly a pathological emotion. Okay, which is kind of like, what, wait, what? Um, but if you think about like a bipolar, person with a bipolar, uh, like, you know, it's more like mania, right? So, so joy taken to like a pathological level is mania, right? It's like mm. super fast, go, 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 and ah, and like they're buying everything and maybe they're addicted to things, right? Like that's <laughs> mania, right? <laughs> So that's why, um, well, that's why joy is considered sort of a pathological emotion, right? Um, so, <laughs> um, so what's, what's really beautiful, there's a whole, like, school of Chinese medicine that is called the five elements uh, school or the five element branches of Chinese medicine. And that they really dive deep into the mental emotional aspects of, of these emotions um, connecting with the organs. I am not a five element practitioner. Um, I have a lot of respect for it and it's, it's really fascinating, but, um, and if you're interested in it, I could, I could recommend a five element practitioner that you could interview for the show. Oh yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah. Um, so, but what's really cool is that, that, you know, each emotion has a flip side, right? So there's a pathological side, but then there's a healthy side. So for example, I, I probably can't give you the example for all five, just, I don't have it on the tip of my tongue right now, but, um, but for example, one I really like, and that is really pertinent to, pertinent to our times right now is that, yeah, anger can be seen as pathological, but when it's in its healthy balanced state, it's about a fight for justice, mm. right? You're probably not going to fight for justice until you've become angry. Mm -hmm. That is quo, right? And so that's where we begin to see all of this change and transformation in our society is people who are angry, but they're, but they're transforming it into a fight for justice. 
Mm. And so each of the emotions have that sort of like that healthy, you know, promotional side, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, makes sense. I mean, if someone keeps, I don't know, poking you <laughs> for long enough and you don't get angry, eventually you might get a bruise. And so at some point you need yeah. to get angry and say, stop. <laughs> yes. So I, I, I see that. Now, with everything that just went on with this, well, I guess we're still kind of living through this COVID situation. Um, what are you seeing? What kind of emotions and, you know, related to the organs? Are you seeing more kidney uh, issues, for example, because there's a lot of fear going on? Yeah, it's a great question. And actually, I think my answer will illustrate further what I've already said, which is that I see all five, <laughs> right? Because everybody's different. Everybody has this like, they're what I call their go-to emotion, right? Mm -hmm. And so if somebody is, um, this, this also gets into the five element thinking. So if someone's go-to emotion is always anger or irritability, like no matter what happens, even if it's something that might be something that would normally elicit grief in people, they get angry, right? So it's like, mm -hmm. that's their go-to emotion. We might call someone like that a wood person. Right, so the five elements are uh, fire, water, earth, wood, and metal. Okay, so mm -hmm. wood is associated with the liver, with this idea of, of um, anger and a fight for justice. Right, um, so the my wood patients are angry about what's going on right now. <laughs> my water patients, um, they are fearful about what's going on right now. Mm -hmm. My earth patients, <laughs> they're worried, they're anxious, they can't sleep. Um, you know, my fire, uh, patients, they're, they, they're fired up, like literally <laughs> they're like, they're out there protesting for sure. Along <laughs> with, like the fire in the wood, they're out there protesting. Um, and then what am I missing? Um, oh, the metal, the metal people are grieving what's going on right now. And mm -hmm. the, th the beauty of this is that we need everyone in our society to do what they do best. Mm -hmm. We need people to grieve what's going on right now. We need people to fight for justice. We need people to be sad and anxious, right? It's like they all serve a purpose, right? Because mm -hmm. the worried people are probably, are, they're, they're often the ones who are like bringing the casserole to their neighbor. You know, <laughs> about them. Right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, they're like they're, those earth people that are just so like nurturing and nourishing, you know? Um, yeah, so... We, we need the, the, the whole gamut of emotions, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So I'm just curious, what are you? For my grandmother, I'd like to say, my grandmother used to always say, um, it takes all kinds to make the world go round. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, if we were meant to be just like the next person, I mean, we'd be identical, but even identical twins are different. So <laughs> there's a reason. I'm more of a metal person. Um, mm -hmm. And um, metal people are also like super organized. Um, they like structure. They like things to look really perfect. Um, you know, they they just um, yeah. That's those are like. But but so the that's the one side. The other side huh. of it is that grief, as you saw, as you described in my child, my first childhood memory is me crying out of the suffering of people and animals. Hmm. Right. That was actually one of the ways I figured out I was a metal person. Oh, my first, uh, my, my first memory, you know, as being a child and it was of, of expressing grief. Right. Mm -hmm. And then if you look at me today, I'm like, I am I'm all about like organization and systems and, you know, structure and all of that. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. 
Okay, so I know we digressed a little bit from menstrual migraines, but I, I just, I love this topic. I love uh, how everything connects together, the emotions, and I don't think I've ever talked about exactly like what you're talking about with Chinese medicine and each particular organ and different systems and how it relates to this COVID situation. So I, I appreciate you unfolding all of that yeah. because I think people really do need to understand how everything is connected. Um, a lot of our emotions can be dealt with physical things because it could be a physical problem, <laughs> you know? So it's not to deny the other aspects of counseling, et cetera. This is, it's all important. Um, and so, but I just don't think that this area of the physical component is that can affect, you know, our chemistry can affect our emotions is, is being talked about enough in, in America, at least. I don't know, maybe China and the Asian medicines talk about it way more, but I would assume even in those countries, they probably got a little Westernized too, huh? Yeah, for sure. I mean, nothing is pure these days. We're all an amalgamation of each other. <laughs> when we share the best of us, then, you know, we all, we all win, I think. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. So what is this about Chinese medicine treating you like a goddess? <laughs> so a goddess wants to be treated for exactly who she is, right? Goddesses will be treated like everybody else. <laughs> and so how I described our pattern differentiation is just my funny way of saying it's like treating you like a goddess <laughs> or a god. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to just treat every menstrual migraine person who comes through my door the exact same way, right? I'm going to treat them exactly the way their body wants to be treated. Mm -hmm. is, you know, all of what we just talked about, you know, what, what is their elements? What is their, are they excess? Are they deficient? Are they hot? Are they cold? Are they dry? Are they damp? Right. Mm -hmm. it, we zero in on exactly who are you and how can I best serve you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's perfect. That makes a lot of sense. It's uh, bio-individuality as some people call it. Yep. The, the Chinese were the originators of that idea. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's a that's a great point too because this is nothing new. You know, some people think though this is alternative medicine when it's this has been medicine since the beginning of time. I mean, Chinese and Ayurveda and Indians. I mean, they really have been doing this stuff for I, God knows how long. <laughs> well, five thousand years to be exact. Right. So it's only been what the last hundred years where we've been using medicine as what we think it is you know now modern medicine so yeah, I, I like to um tell my potential patients that are just hesitant about trying um what i do i just like to say hey try something old <laughs> try something that has been worked uh, you know has has been used for many centuries that sounds like a good idea yeah so yeah. there must there must be uh some you know they must have refined it all, at least you know a little bit <laughs> There's a lot of refinement over 5,000 years for sure. Yeah. So what else do you do besides being in private practice? Yeah. So I, um, I kind of hit on this little gold nugget um, about uh, maybe eight years ago or 10 years ago where, um, you know, one of the things that's difficult about being in private practice, as you very well know, um, is just building your practice, getting new patients in the door, like being able to do what it is that you want to do more. Yeah. And um, so, you know, everybody spends lots of money on marketing and some things work and some things don't. And so what I hit on um, about a decade ago or so was I could go to a medical clinic and talk to medical doctors about how acupuncture works from a scientific point of view. Uh. And uh, what I found was that MDs are hungry 
for this oh. information. They read the research. They know there's research being done on acupuncture, which could be a whole other one hour topic that we could talk about. I love talking about acupuncture research, but I won't right now. Um, but they read the research. There's a, there's many problems with acupuncture research, the way it's being done right now. Um, but they, they see that there are results, that there are good results. And so they want to know more about it. Um, I had a doctor say to me, no joke, straight, this is exactly what she said. After I gave this talk, about, about a 30-minute talk about how acupuncture works from a scientific point of view, she came up to me afterward and she said, um, I'm totally on board with acupuncture. I've read the research on it. I'd love to refer my patients to an acupuncturist. I don't know who to send them to, um, but I'll send them to you because you're not weird. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, thanks. <laughs> oh, and then, and that really hit me. It's like, she also said, basically like, I don't want to send them to like a purple crystal healer. <laughs> I want to send them to someone who thinks of this scientifically, who knew uh -huh. who can explain it in scientific terms, because that's her world, right? Uh -huh. That's the doctor's world. She yeah. needs to understand it. And so, so that, um, what I basically spent my doctoral, um, capstone project on was basically interviewing a whole bunch of MDs. Like, what do you want to know about acupuncture? What are your questions? What are your concerns? I gathered all that information, came up with answers to all of them. And then I basically created this presentation for doctors um, to answer all their questions. And um, what I found was that I basically, I don't have to market my practice anymore because the few times, you know, the couple handful of times that I've done lunch and learns, is what I call them, lunch and learns at medical mm -hmm. clinics, the doctors are like, sweet, sign me up. Like I'll send you patients. And so almost every day I get faxes uh, wow. that are like patient referrals. And so I decided, okay, well, I hit upon a gem here. I want to share it with my fellow acupuncturists who are mm -hmm. struggling to, to generate a, a practice. And I know they're good acupuncturists, but maybe just struggling a little bit in the business side of things. Mm -hmm. So I basically came up with this whole like marketing tool for acupuncturists called Chinese medicine explained. And it's, it's, because I'm a metal person, we've established, I like systems and structure. I basically give them a step-by-step. -step. It's like, here's how to find a clinic. Here's how to call. Here's what to say when you call. Here's who to talk to. Here are the questions to ask. Here's the, you know, it's like, it's literally wow. like, like someone who's not even very smart could follow these instructions. <laughs> they can yeah. make it so easy. Um, and so I have, I have acupuncturists all over the world now who are following this method and building their practice. Wow, that sounds like it could really help even other areas of holistic health practitioners. I mean, I work with a lot of practitioners myself as well. Um, I'll tell you about that afterwards. But anyways, um, and I see the same thing. Even, I mean, I was one of those struggling practitioners at some point too, you know, and, and I did study business and, and uh, you know, until you get your marketing down, right? It's like you could have this gift over here, but you have to have this other side of it to be able to have a flourishing practice and be able to get your message to people that are actually really looking for it. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I'm actually curious to pick your brain outside of, we don't have too much time right now, but um, where can people find more information about that and your private practice? Yeah. So my private practice is um, you can find my website at nourishingmedicine.com and I'm located um, just next to Portland, Oregon in a little town called Milwaukee. Um, and I'm on Instagram at Nourishing Medicine Clinic, uh, Facebook at Nourishing Medicine. Um, and then for my marketing tool, uh, it's uh, CME. So that stands for Chinese Medicine Explained. So CME.NourishingMedicine.com. 
I'm also at Chinese Medicine Explained on Instagram and same thing on Facebook, Chinese Medicine Explained. Okay, awesome. Well, I just, I thank you so much for coming on the show, explaining all you know about um, acupuncture. Uh, I'm sure we can go for days on this topic, um, but I also really appreciate you talking about this other project you're doing because uh, I, I'm very passionate about that as well too, because I really think that people in this field they need to figure out how to get their voice out and it's uh, and reach those people that are, are really just desperate for answers. I mean, some people are on their knees praying daily and, and they, they, it's like they know that there's an answer, but they don't know. And um, so it's, it's so important what you're doing and in both areas. So thank you so much again, Dr. Ellie. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Jacqueline. Also, you are doing the same thing. You're getting the word out there on so many different topics and talking to so many different specialists, and it's really inspiring. So thank you for that work, too. And thank you, listeners, for watching. Um, again, it's, it's such a pleasure. Again, just I can't explain enough to, to you guys. Uh, there would be no podcast if it wasn't for you guys because this is why we do this. We want to help you and we want to give you answers that can really, find, you know, so that you can live life to the fullest and, and not have to suffer. So someone like Dr. Ellie is really good with pain and I'm sure a whole bunch of other things. Uh, if you have those menstrual cramps, make sure that you contact her and we can dissect that a little bit more. And if you're also a practitioner, you might want to look into her, her program as well too and see how you can market yourself. So thank you all again for watching and we will return again next week. Have a blessed day. I hope you got a lot of nuggets from that episode. There's just so much to learn as a woman and helping balance our body and, and be able to give life to a newborn and raise these healthy children. And, and then of course, we don't want to get wrinkles when we grow old. And a lot of us are losing our mind and we're losing our joints. I mean, there's so much. And then on top of that, then there's weight loss. Have you ever thought about, man, it'd be so much easier to be able to lose weight if I did not crave that cake every day or some other bad thing like cookies, etc. Well, we have Gluco Optimizer. So along with your cell core protocol, you can add the Gluco Optimizer in to help balance your blood sugar, help fight those cravings. And you'll see here, there's a lot of other things it does. It protects against heart disease. It helps increase muscle mass. Now, as a woman, you might think, I don't want to have big muscles, but I'm one that doesn't have big muscles, and I work out all the time and lift a lot of weight. Lean muscle keeps you thin. So with that and the combination of something like Gluco Optimizer, weight loss is going to be a lot easier nowadays, you guys. All right, ladies, I hope you enjoyed that show again. Go ahead and check out Gluco Optimizer so you can optimize your weight loss program. Thank you for listening to the Wellness Trinity Podcast. Be sure to subscribe for more wellness tips to help you achieve optimal health. Don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you the best content. See you on the next episode.